0: Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Aquademia Podcast. I'm Sean O'Loughlin. I'm Justin Grant. And today we have an episode, kind of a sustainable living series episode, kind of a seafood innovations episode, but we are speaking with Tara Lordy of We Do Boats and we're talking about weed removal from waterways, specifically the removal of invasive aquatic weeds in all different types of waterways. She has a company that produces machines that sit on boats and can mechanically remove these weeds. But we talk a lot about the big issues with chemical removal of these different plants. And so it's a pretty interesting conversation. I think you're going to enjoy it. But before we get into that, I want to remind everybody to make sure you're subscribed to Aquademia wherever you listen so you can get every new episode automatically downloaded to your device as soon as it's available and we
1: are on twitter at aquademia pod if you want to contact us for any reason do you want to be a sponsor do you have topic suggestions do you want to be a guest you can fill out our online form located at globalseafood.org podcast.
0: That's right. And make sure to leave us a rating and review if you haven't done that yet. We appreciate everybody that's already done that. And I do want to give one last disclaimer before we get started. I am currently at a away at a conference right now. And there's two conferences going on in this in this hotel, which means there is absolutely no place for me to record that has any kind of privacy or quiet space. So I'm sitting outside. It's was really quiet when I first came out, but it's noisy now. So uh, if you hear a little bit of background noise or my my voice doesn't sound as great as it normally does, that's why I'm kind of on the road, out in the field. But uh, the content's there, so I think you're going to enjoy it. So please enjoy this episode, this conversation we had with Tara, and we'll talk to you at the end.
1: Welcome to the Aquademia Podcast. Our diet... Is hurting the environment in myriad ways. I mean, we desperately need to eat more seafood. This is a pioneering industry with a whole
2: lot of people who have really good ideas and a lot of experience and
0: are unafraid. Academia is your go-to podcast for a fresh take on all things seafood. Alright, so we are sitting down today with Tara Lordy, who is the CEO of We Do boats. And we're going to be talking about some pretty cool topics today. Uh, how's it going, Tara? Thank you for joining us.
2: Thank you. I've, it's a pleasure to 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 be here today. We really appreciate it.
0: Tara's team reached out to us because of her mission to get the word out about these positive impact of mechanical weed removal in certain waterways and kind of the effect that these weeds and the chemicals used to remove them have on the waterways and the environment. But before we get into that, Tara, I want to hear your story. Let's talk about you. Kind of tell us where you came from and how you got to where you are now.
2: Sure. So I grew up in the Hudson Valley, which is the Catskill Mountains, the base of the Catskill Mountains in New York. It's about 65 miles outside of New York City. And you wouldn't believe, I mean, most people think of New York as being, you know, really Manhattan, but actually that's only a seven mile island. (laughs) The rest of New York is quite beautiful. Um, Where we grew up um, in the Catskill Mountains, we have rivers and mountains and climbing and being an outdoors person is you'd be hard pressed not to be outdoorsy growing up where we did. Um, But one of the the remarkable things that we had is you could run off a bridge, jump into lakes. We had Lake Minnewaska. Natural lakes and swimming in lakes were a big part of our, our upbringing. Um, I grew up as a, a, a professional show jumper and then I you know, had to go to college and then went and worked at Wall Street and so forth. But I've never really um, left the Hudson Valley, even though I have a place down here in, in Palm Beach and I'm running this company. We still have homes up there and it's still very important to us to be able to feel that any lake you see, it's you run and jump. In Florida, you might want to be careful of the gators, but you know, in New York, you still want to be able to go and, <laughs> and run and jump in the lakes. Um, At the same time that I'm going through this, my husband um, grew up in Toronto and he had lake homes. And A lot of Canadians, they always have their lake houses. And he was starting to see the same thing I was seeing. And it was these signs that were posted. Um, And these signs posted would say, no swimming for 24 hours. And then they would have a sign below that describing what chemical compounds that they had put into those lakes in an effort to tame the invasive weeds um and the the planet is getting warmer there's There's no scientists that'll argue with that. Um, but the weeds in lakes and ponds are starting to become um, such that it is uncontrollable, so people want to basically spray things like roundup for the water, diaquat, paraquat. Um, it's basically anything that causes cellular death and growing up and being able to jump into water and then having a sign that says don't swim for 24 hours but heck after 24 hours you'll be fine well the last time i checked i don't think fish can read and so if i'm fishing for bass and they've just been drenched with these chemicals and now i'm touching the bass and i'm fishing the bass or i'm in the water you know your skin absorption rate is huge right so okay so is it 23 hours is it 26 hours is it two days Uh, you know, this is really scary. So my upbringing dovetails beautifully into into what I'm doing today. and 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 I think and I think most people out there can appreciate having the right to be able to see a beautiful lake and want to jump in it. So basically, that's where I, in my opinion, i feel I feel that led me into the into the drive to build um, a weed harvester that would allow us to remove invasive aquatic weeds in such a way that it would, what I would call precision harvest. So you'd be able to remove invasives, but keep the natives. And that in itself is a huge important concept because you don't want to go and nuke a lake, right? You don't want to nuke it with these chemicals, A. B, you don't want to go and start ripping out natural vegetation that aquatic life needs or that the water needs for its natural balance. You want to be able to remove responsibly invasive weeds which mind you i will tell you started mostly by humans putting aquarium plants in the lakes in an effort i was to- just going
0: to ask you that how how the invasive yeah. plants got there in the first place
2: <laughs> well it's really unfortunate but a lot of studies in white paper i have read um basically they started putting these aquarium plants in in these lakes and then of course birds take them and bring them to other lakes and Pro- propellers from one boat brings it to another lake, and so forth. And then you have, you know, a pandemic. So right now, we've never in the history of time had such a problem with invasive weeds as we do today. And what's even more concerning is that the EPA is allowing them to spray.
0: Right. Can you, uh, before we get into the the removal of them, can you explain? some of the the major impacts that we've seen from these invasive species of plants in the waterways and what types of waterways you tend to be focusing on with this stuff?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, when we talk about waterways, it could be a pond, it could be a creek, it could be a stream, it could be uh, a lake. Um, It could be a navigational waterway where you're actually using that waterway to go from point A to point B, you know, with a vessel. It's, It's not just freshwater, it's So salt water, Um, so uh, it could be even lined, uh, contained, lined, man-made waterways that we're using to cool uh, power plants down. Um, There's lots of different sections that we talk about in waterways and all of which are being impacted by invasive weeds. There's there's many different types of invasive weeds throughout the United States, um, but the most popular that you'll see is hydrilla, milfoil, duckweed um, water chestnuts those are your you know your kind of your top ones you have water cabbage um, and other rooted uh, weeds Uh, in in the oceans you'll see sargasm which is seaweed you'll Mm -hmm. see spatter duck which is lily pads Um, so depending on where you are in the united states and where and what kind of body of water in is will depend on what you're facing as far as invasive weeds but again they're they're very um, they're very strong. They develop energy within their own area, and they become resistant to herbicide spray. So you might nuke a lake and say, "Oh, this is great! I'm going to spray these terrible chemicals." But then you go to spray again, you know, a qu- the next quarter or a month later, whatever your your spraying re- re- uh, regime is, and the weeds don't go away because they've actually learned how to adapt, which also you know, is absolutely horrific, because the EPA is still allowing these sprays. Now I'll give you an example. Paraquat, one of the most dangerous chemicals out there that can actually be linked to Alzheimer's. It has been banned from the European Union. It's been banned from Brazil. It's been banned from a number of countries. I, I, I don't know the number, but I want to say it's about 32 countries. It's been banned from. But yet the bill has been presented to the EPA here and for some reason, it comes and it goes. And I can't figure out for the life of me why other countries would ban something knowing how dangerous it is. But the United States says, "Oh, OK, let's go ahead and, and let it happen. I, I, I don't even want to begin to figure out why that's continuing, because it's a dangerous chemical. It's proven to be awful for us. They're still allowing it. And it doesn't make sense when you have the ability to remove these weeds responsibly and cheaper using mechanical means.
0: Have we seen any other chemicals here in the U.S. that have been used that have gotten banned?
2: Um, I can look that up for you while we're on. I mean, I can basically tell you that most, even with all of the Roundup lawsuits, it's the the, the chemicals, certain chemicals, Um, you might call them a different name, but you're looking at copper sulfate as as the basis to a lot of these chemicals. And so... You might get one chemical off the market, but they'll turn around and call it a new name. But when you look at the ingredients, you're still dealing with copper sulfate. And that's one of the most awful things you could have. Their goal is to create cellular death. And so they're gonna put these certain components, regardless of the name of them, in those to create Mm -hmm. that cellular death. they will be in the form of pellets. they will be in the form of spray, where you'll see a boat going by with a man in a white suit, and he's spraying away. Uh, He might have a respirator on, he may not. in Florida, it's, it's, it's terrible. Um, I think New York is, is a little more strict than, than Florida is, but it's still pretty bad. Um, and the chemicals, let me take one step further. The chemicals they're spraying in the lakes, here's where it really gets scary. This is the big scary part. They're using that same lake. They're putting in a big pump, and they're using that same lake to irrigate people's homes. So if you live in a planned community, a homeowner association, or you live in a condo association, um, and they have a lake nearby within the community, the the developer, when they build this, this planned development, they put a lake strategically there so they can put a huge pump in there, and then they use the lake water to irrigate everybody's land. Well, now let's talk about spraying the lake, having... Your irrigation go off at 6 o'clock or 6 a.m. You're walking outside barefoot. Your animals are walking outside with their little pads. Your children, babies. Maybe you've got plants. Heck, maybe you even have an herb garden out there. Guess what? It's being irrigated with copper sulfate. (laughs) I just don't see it. I don't understand it. Um, It's been something that um, is so scary that it's not. A homeowner should have the right to make a decision to say, if I live in this in this community and you're putting these chemicals in the water and you're doing my irrigation, shouldn't I have the right to say no? And there's no law that protects that homeowner as it stands today. State by state, federal, no law that protects that homeowner.
1: Fascinating. Do you have a rough timeline for when really these weeds really became an issue? At what point where is it such a concern that we had to think how what's the best way to get rid of these and at that time obviously and still to this day is the use of chemicals but i I don't know if you have like a rough timeline is it been 40 years 30 years i mean i'm just trying to paint a timeline for our listeners
2: so when your weeds start to develop for example spatter duck um is lily pads they're very very quick i mean i can you can cut them down and they'll grow back within three weeks. We, when we harvest them, we don't just cut them; we actually rip root them. But we leave some in there because we want to leave some for the, the aquatic life. Um, they can grow back quickly. If you spray, uh, depending on what type of chemical you use, if you spray on the beginning of a month, by usually 30 days later, you'll start to see the decay. And when you see the decay, they don't go and pick up the decay; they let the decay fall to the bottom of the lake. So now let's. Let's take into consideration, if you want to talk about timelines, let's say in the year 2000, you started spraying and you keep spraying and every year you're spraying two or three times a year to try to get control of your your lake weeds. Now, 10 years later, all of that waste has fallen to the bottom of the lake. So what happens is you start losing depth of water. So the depth of the water of the lake starts getting reduced because all the biomass is sitting at the bottom because they didn't remove it properly. And now all that biomass sitting at the bottom starts to get so high that you get these little islands in the middle of lakes. And those, those little islands have to be moved mechanically. You can't do anything else but remove them mechanically um, by using you know, uh, certain tools tools that we have. And, and, it's, and it's, it's imperative that that, re- get, that gets removed. So spraying takes at least a month before you can even see the results, where mechanical harvesting, you can pick up 500 pounds a minute. Multiply 500 pounds a minute times uh, 60 minutes times eight hour a day. I mean, you're talking 100,000 tons. I mean, it, it, there's no competition to mechanical harvesting to spraying when it comes to re- mass removal, biomass removal, the speed at which we can remove it. It's cheaper. You spend $100,000 on, on a good piece of equipment and you're gonna spend probably $8,000 to $10,000 every time you spray. When you buy the piece of equipment after 50 days of use, your equipment's paid off, and you have no more bills except for fuel on an operator. Where with, a, with, with spraying Bionic and some of these dangerous sprays, every time you spray, you pay, and then you keep paying, and you keep paying, and you keep paying. So it doesn't make yep. any financial sense. And if I can remove 500 pounds a minute of biomass, I'm going to might, my, my the people enjoying the lake or the view are going to have immediate satisfaction. And, you know, you can, you can have different attachments. So after you remove the biomass, then you put a, a skimmer attachment, like you'd skim a pool and you take all the little frapplings off and you'd skim the lake. So now you have this pristine lake with all the little fraplings taken off. You've got fish clapping, frogs dancing. I mean, it just, it's such a no brainer. You don't have to be an environmentalist to figure this out. And and it makes me crazy that, 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 that I can't get these lobbyists to understand this and to push the agenda. I mean, is it big pharma having deeper pockets than people like myself? Maybe, I, I don't want to make accusations, but frankly, I can't think of any other reason to use something as dangerous as Paraquat when I've got a inexpensive solution to achieving a better result. It doesn't make sense
1: to me. So I want to backtrack a little bit, and I think you just touched on it the last minute or so, but we've talked a lot about what the concerns and the the issues are with chemicals, and you have a solution. And I want to kind of backtrack as far as what you call your product, how you use it. And I know you've talked a little bit about this, but I want to kind of just backtrack for our listeners so that they, you know, if there's any interest, they'll know who to reach out to, who to contact and how to get involved with this. So can you start with what you call your equipment and then talk about this the specialties that they offer and, and how you're using them, how widespread it is throughout the United States or even further, and just kind of explain what's going on in your world. Sure.
2: Yeah. Thank you. So uh, back in the day, they used to have these large harvesters. They were made out of aluminum. They were 30 feet long and and I can understand why maybe har- the, those big harvesters were were not uh, uh, competitive to chemicals. However, since we designed about um, in 2002, we established my husband and I. Uh, he since passed, but we established a company called We Do Greenboat Inc. And we developed a few different products, including the TC 3012, which is the most dynamic and most popular product that we make. And the TC 3012 comes equipped uh, with a Kubota 25 horsepower engine. You've got the operator's got a sickle bar mounted behind him, so he can actually cut six feet under the water. The boat is only twelve feet in length, and it's got interchangeable um, attachments on the front uh, that uh, that allow you to either use it as a front end loader uh, to pick up vegetation, or you can use a root rake to pick up logs. Um, you can remove deer that have passed on in the waterways with these. the The, the boat itself is is remarkable because it's made out of fiberglass and our unique propulsion system allows us as i said you know with the propulsion to pick up 500 pounds a minute so we can actually um launch a boat in as little as eight inches of water and we can operate in as little as two feet of water with our propulsion system so what that does is it allows for a shallow draft and it allows us to get close to the water's edge the the, where your land meets the water and mm-hmm. allows us to cut where you're gonna find most of your weeds. Most invasive weeds are from the water's edge to about six feet to eight feet deep. All weeds need three things: they need water, soil, and sun. If it gets the lake starts to get too deep, they don't have, they can't see the sun, so they're not so bad. So it's usually about 10 feet in from the shoreline, is really where you're gonna have the most aggressive set of weeds. And that's where our boat is so dynamic. It's only 1800 pounds, you can launch it with an excavator, you can launch it by itself. Um, It's super light, so we can get right around the shallow areas and we've got the propulsion and we've got the power and we have the interchangeable um, front end, uh, the interchangeable um, attachments to allow you to do any type of job. Duckweed is like sawdust, so you would use a skimmer bucket so it would take those really fine filaments and also the seeds so you don't cause fragmentation. Whereas the, the vegetation bucket that comes standard might help you with a more thicker material like milfoil um, and, and water cabbage um, and water chestnuts. Um, and so depending on the job, it's like if you've ever seen a bobcat or a skid steer, it's same, same concept, but it sits on a catamaran style vessel. Very cool. And it comes with its own customized trailer. And we sell that vessel for ninety two thousand seven hundred and that comes standard with the trailer and its vegetation. And then from there, you can get some accessories. And it's fantastic. And we train people that buy the vessel and we support them and we send them leads and we help them with marketing and we help them get into business so that they're on their second and third boat. First boat is paid off after 50 days of work. They're charging roughly 2000 a day-ish. Um, and, and they're onto their second and third and then they're onto their fleet. And it's, it's proven to be a really nice business for people um, of any age um, and of any talent. And, and because of the vessel being priced so um, well, um, we are now in 14 countries, we're in over 50 states, and we've increased our sales by nearly 40% a year for the last five years.
1: Excellent. I do have another, uh, one question. What's the procedure for like, taking care of the weeds that you've removed from waterways? Like, what's that procedure? look like? That's a great
2: question. So it depends on what the weeds are and if the weeds have been sprayed by herbicides. So for example, in North Carolina, I had a client that wanted to use our vessel to remove duckweed and then they compressed the duckweed into cubes. And those cubes were used for cow uh, feed, which I thought was great. Oh, nice. Um, Yeah. The the duckweed has a lot of protein. So that was perfect for cattle. Um, Whereas you might find in the winter areas in the Northeast, You might find farmers say, hey, dump some of those weeds around our crops if they haven't been sprayed, because we want to help the root system uh, avoid the frost. Um, I've seen people repurpose their weeds for various things. um, But if the weeds have been treated over time, 10 years of spraying or five years of spraying, I would burn it and get rid of it, because you don't really want to put it on fresh crops or anything if it's been treated with, again, these, these harmful herbicides. Um, but they do have mo- most sanitation companies offer a vegetation removal uh, side. So when you show up with vegetation, they they usually give you a um, uh, a place that you can dump it in and you yeah. have to pay for your removal. Yeah. if you can't use it uh, personally or, or or distribute it.
0: Justin, that was a that's a great question. And I ironically, Tara, I didn't tell you this, I'm actually currently at a seaweed conference (laughs) Um, that's that's why it's really noisy i'm sitting outside but so uh uh we've talked a lot the last couple days about what seaweed can be used for and, and there's a lot of not just like with the farming side of things it's a lot of like co2 removal stuff like that but with with the product use uh, a lot of it is yes. about um, using it for either fertilizer or animal feed for uh, terrestrial farming and stuff. So that that's it's funny. It's all connected that it just happens to be where I am today. <laughs> but um, one fantastic. question that I had,
2: I mean, don't be seaweed and facial creams and things like that, too. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. It's used for all kinds. of. It, I, I'm learning a whole lot about seaweed this week. Let me tell you. <laughs> um, but <laughs> one question that I had, because you mentioned in the beginning, mechanical uh, removal of these invasive weeds how are you able to mechanically remove the invasive weeds without damaging or removing native aquatic plants
2: yeah that's that's great and and believe me you that's what i call responsible harvesting um, one of the main wonderful attributes of the weedum is that the bucket that we sell the vessel with the standard bucket um, actually has tines on the front of it almost like a pitchfork um, they're metal tines and those metal tines actually allow precision plucking. Like you can go into um, invasive weeds that might be surrounded with some natives, and you can literally pr- with precision use your front- end loader and gently pluck out what has come over and 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 beat up on your good natives. Um, and that's that is that comes down to, uh, educating the operator and it comes down to giving them the right tools. And our standard bucket does that beautifully.
0: Can you talk great. about some of the data that's come out about the differences between, I mean, I mean I'm sure you have some good data about ponds or waterways that have had weed removal uh, mechanically versus chemically or any other. If, can, you, can you just kind of talk about some of the differences in that data?
2: I have a, a municipality in Fort Lauderdale um, that purchased three years ago their first boat from me. They were, their budget was, don't quote me, I think it was about $130,000 a year just on spraying. And they absolutely could not believe how well the vessel worked. So the first year they were still spraying and using my vessel. The second year they came back, they bought another boat. They reduced their budget by about 50,000 from spraying and now had a second boat on the water. This year, they just bought their third boat from me and they're going to eliminate spraying altogether. And this is a municipality in Fort Lauderdale. So I can't tell you, um, you know, absolutely to a point how much savings there is, but when I have municipalities and their accounting is precise, um, tell me we have absolutely eliminated spraying, that for me, I, I can go home and, and I can sleep pretty well. I really can, because they're managing their community, their entire community, with my vessels, and they no longer need spray. So I have to say that that's proof in the pudding. Um, and now we've just been accepted uh, to, we're ISO 9001 now, and we've just been accepted on GSA. So now we're accepted on the federal government is now purchasing our vessels uh, for their various um, different uh, companies and subsidiaries. Um, so I think uh, I think it's fair to say we're absolutely the leaders in the, in this in this market we were the road pavers and we are the leaders and I think we're going to continue to grow um substantially and develop more tools to help with precision harvesting to help with maybe assisting people in using the biomass properly in another whether it's cattle feeders we're going to keep developing other products that allow us to, you know, have that farm to table type of mentality in the Lakeweed world.
0: Fantastic. That's good news. I'm glad to hear that that uh, things are going so well and that it's been really effective and successful. That's uh, it's really great. You kind of just touched on it, but what do you think is kind of on the horizon? What's coming in the future? What's next? Not just for we do, but also just kind of in this initiative to, uh, eliminate the use of chemical herbicides in waterways, kind of, what do you think is the next step? What do you see coming?
2: So I think the next step is to do what we're doing today is cause awareness so that people ask the questions, everybody that lives in a community, find out where your water source is and ask the question and push and push and push. Don't allow your communities to spray. And if they are spraying, find out who's the head of your, you know, of, of who's running your water body, whether it's the town, uh, you know, government, uh, just HOA, whatever it is, and push the envelope to say there's alternatives. We'd like to use them. We don't want to be inhaling this, these sprays or, or having it touch our children you know, or our aquatic life. The waters are getting warmer. You know this. This is, this is global warming at its finest. The waters As the water gets warmer, the weeds are going to get worse. This is not going to get better. This is only going to get worse. So as it gets worse, we need to push the agenda of mechanical harvesting or you will create such a toxic bloom because i do want to add one other thing is when scientists make these chemicals for the water they're making the chemicals for the water they're not taking into consideration hey by the way there are phosphates running off of the land from maybe a cattle farm into that lake and so i'll give you a real example there's lakes up at reedy creek which is around disney those lakes run all the way down and come into Lake Okeechobee. So you get all the runoff from farming, all the runoff from cattle, all the runoff from people spraying fertilizers on the grass, and that's getting worse. And then you get people spraying herbicides in the water, and then it pools into Lake O, and then when they let the dam out and they let the water go out through Port St. Lucie and into the ocean, they get everybody sick, and they cause so much damage. It was unbelievable. So It's not if, it's when these lobbyists are going to force um, the elimination of herbicides in the water, um, and that they're going to start analyzing water and the contents and its molecular structure on a weekly, hopefully, basis, on a monthly basis. They need to take this seriously, really seriously. I I can't stress this enough. And, And I see it only getting worse, because the waters are only getting warmer. And so mechanical harvesting we'll, we'll, we will will beat it. I just don't know if little me can do it by myself. I sure <laughs> need your your listeners and everybody else out there to call their congressmen or call their local authorities and see if they can help and push the agenda
0: fantastic and, and on that note, you did say that you have been a guest on some other podcasts talking about this what were some of the shows that you were on? do you remember?
2: Uh, yeah I was just um, I was just featured on the the planet uh, we did a nice podcast talking about you know the implications of of what this is doing on the long term um we were on the above and beyond recently we were on we we're on agriculture i was just on um what's it called um i was on university of iowa's podcast um i have um um architecturals got me coming next week and we've got some really good ones um i was on one on the on the it's called the clubhouse at a lovely uh, woman. I uh, do a podcast there. Um, yeah, we're, we're doing a lot. I mean, I've got a, I've got a podcast, hopefully booked um, almost every week. And then my agenda would be to start working my way a little bit more into the political realm and start talking to um, the local um, congressmen, governors, try to get up to the state level and try to push it at a state to state basis. And then hopefully get the federal government to take 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 note and get the EPA to say, you know what, she's not going to go away. She really isn't going to go away. We need to just stop because I won't go away. I, I won't stop. So they should.
1: <laughs> so yeah. I've I believe I've been to the website and you do have some videos of these removals systems equipment on the website, correct? So you yes, Justin, yes, we you- have. Yeah,
2: yeah, we have our, our own channel. Um, if you go to our website, com and you click on um, the, the uh, YouTube channel, it shows a series of different um, applications and how the boat is being used. It also has some how-tos for people that own vessels and so forth. Um, and, um, yeah, no, it's very informative. And we're actually just building a new website, and we're we're showing some new footage, a lot of drone footage. Um so people a lot of my customers I have a group a Facebook group where all my customers show me their before and after photos oh it's so exciting to see that it's 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 very very exciting because I always saw my customers stand in the same place when you begin the pond or lake and then go to that same place and take that same photo for me and wow what a difference and they put it the, the cameras on tripods and they press fast forward and they make the most fun videos and they put music behind it and it's it's really exciting. It's very exciting to see. TikTok has even taken on some of these videos. <laughs> I've seen, I've typed in my the name we do on TikTok and I see all these great videos. So that's fun too. You know, it's totally become viral.
1: So uh, I I don't know if you have one already, but two, two attachments I would want, <laughs> a cup holder and a fishing <laughs> rod holder.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I've got your cup holder. Got you there. Uh, fishing, I can actually just put a, a zip tie for you, right on the back of the power pack. All right, and I will make that custom, and I'll put your name right on it. Just
1: <laughs>
0: all right, <laughs> perfect, awesome. Well, Tara, obviously if I any wouldn't be of-
1: fishing right where I'm removing the weeds, but you know, I might want to <laughs> take it to the other side of the, the pond or lake and do a little bit of fishing on it.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. you're already you're already on the water, right? You might as well. Um, <laughs> Tara, if any of our listeners want to get in contact with you or learn more about We Do or, you know, any way that they can help with this initiative, what is the best way for them to get in contact with you?
2: Sure. Our website, uh, again, we Do Boats, And in, at our website, you can contact us there, sales at WeDoBoats. Uh, you can contact me personally, Tara at WeDoBoats.com. And our phone number is 561-204-5765. And um, any way that you want to contact us, any way we can help you get to where you need to be. Um, Or if you just want to have a service done, we can uh, help you in any way to help us keep those waterways clean because nobody cleans waterways better than we do.
0: (laughs) That's very well said. (laughs) Nicely done. Um, Tara, is there anything else that you want to get out while you have the platform here
2: just please uh, listen to what i have to say and now that I've, I've created this awareness i i just hope your listeners will say okay yeah i'm, I'm gonna hear what she has to say and i want to go find out what's happening to the nearest lake by me or what's happening to my where am i getting my drinking water from and, and be really serious about it even if you're drinking from a well pay attention to those fertilizers get your water tested take it very seriously that's your body you know it's 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 what's going and, and it's being absorbed. So thank you gentlemen for giving me this platform. And, and I really hope that people will walk away asking themselves this question. And if only one does, then, then we did it right, you know?
0: You well, well we, we really appreciate, appreciate you, you reaching out to us and uh, taking the time to sit and talk with us. So thank you so much. And uh, we'll keep in touch. We'll talk to you soon.
2: Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Justin. I really appreciate your time.
0: Likewise. Thank you very much. folks, that was our conversation with Tara Lordy of We Do Votes. I really hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something and I hope you'll contact them if you uh, have anything to contribute to this conversation. Remember to subscribe to Aquademia wherever you listen, so you can get every new episode directly downloaded onto your device as soon as it's available.
1: And follow us on Twitter at Pod. And if you want to contact us for any reason, fill out our online form located at globalseafood.org/podcast.
0: Remember to leave us a rating and review wherever you listen; it really helps us out, and we appreciate everybody that's already done that. And if you like what we do and you want to support us and be part of the mission, please consider becoming a member of GSA. You can find links to sign up in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening and